This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for November 13th, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Today's Gospel lesson, we have the parable of the five talents. It's kind of an odd parable. I mean, honestly, in, in, in so many ways, the more you get into it, the stranger it gets. Like the word bankers that's used is actually, they didn't have bankers. Um, the word is money changers. Um, and if you go and it says so that you can earn interest, it says so you can get usury. <laughs> um, so it's a, kind of an odd thing. And a talent in and of itself is an odd notion because a talent is a weight, not a coin. So it's not an actual financial currency. It would be more like five gold bars um, would be, be more akin. So the amounts that he's talking about are just astronomical. So if you tried to really look at this as a financial story, you would really get bogged down in it terribly. It does have to do with finances, but only to the extent that the, the application of the, the meaning of the parable can be applied to finances as well as other things. So let's look at the story. The, uh, a fellow had uh, a bunch of money that he had melted into gold bars, and he was leaving, and so he couldn't you know, invest his money himself. So he called some of his servants together, and, and he gave to each of them according to their ability. He gave to the one who really was the best at investing five of the gold bars, and that guy doubled his money. Another guy was pretty good, but not as good as the other, so he gave him two gold bars, and that guy doubled his money. And then the guy who was sort of not really all that great at it, but, you know, he tried. You know, <laughs> some of those people made an effort. He gave him one gold bar. And that guy was, was afraid because he thought, if I lose this amount of money, you know, this guy is going to have my head. What am I going to do? And so he says, the best thing I can do is bury it in the ground. Because if I bury it in the ground... Um, at least I'll still have that gold bar when he gets back. You know, I won't give him back anything less. And so that's what he does. The guy comes back, and the first servant comes in, and he says, well done. You know, enter into the joy of your master. The second comes in, he's doubled what he's been given. Well done. You know, and the third guy comes in, well, master, I knew that if I lost this, you know, if I invested in stuff and it really tanked, that, that you were not going to be happy. So I, I basically I, I made sure that your investment was safe. And, and so here's your gold bar back. And he says, you wicked servant. Couldn't you have at least invested it in a CD or something? You know, I mean, at least that way you've gotten something off of it. Instead, you did nothing with it. You know, take it away from him and give it to the guy who had five. Now, that may seem a little harsh to you all, but think about it in terms of your, your own retirement plans. Would you rather invest it with the people who really doubled your money in a few years, or would you rather invest it in somebody who said, well, I put it under my mattress so that you, know, <laughs> you could get it back when you retired? I mean, we always go with the people who can make us the most money, don't we? But even then, Jesus says something even more shocking. He says, to those who have, much more will be given to them. To those who have nothing or little of nothing, even what they do have will be taken away from them. 
Now that doesn't seem very fair, does it? If you don't have anything, you're even going to get what little meager stuff you've got. To, and it said, cast this slave into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Doesn't sound like a fun place. So when you look at that, just on the, a human perspective, you think, golly, doesn't all this seem kind of harsh? I mean, uh, what is a, the guy didn't really do anything horrible. He just didn't really do what he needed to do. Except that if we do that, then we're all looking at people investing money as though they were somehow other modern stockbrokers, and we missed the whole point. The real point of it is he's talking about us, about what do you do with what God gives you. So what has God given you? life. Yeah. And that's really what you need when it says talent, gold bar. Think my life, my very existence was provided to me by God. The breath that I take is provided to me by God. You know, my boss, who's a pain in the neck, was provided to me by God. My money was provided to be me by God. My husband or wife was provided to me by God. My parents were provided to me by God. Everything that I have and everything that I encounter, every moment of every day, my, my time even, is provided to me by God. Now, if you don't believe that, give it all back to God and then try to recreate it. And what are the chances of that happening? And... If what we do with what God has given us is simply when we get to the pearly gates, say, well, I really tried to do the best I could, you know, and I was tried to be as good as I possibly could. And I figured, you know, if I was good most of the time and, and, and the good outweighed the bad, and, you know, that, that you understood that, you know, we're not perfect, we make some mistakes, but, but basically I'm a good person, so, you know, I should get in. Guess what's going to happen? Throw them into the outer darkness. He's going to say, wait a minute, I gave you a whole life and what I get back is you? That's it? I had you before I started this thing. Yeah, I mean, you, the way, I mean, that's it? You? That's what I invested all of that into was just so that you could show up and say, here I am, ta-da! You see, we, we make a fundamental mistake when we begin to believe that God created the universe for us. Even if we pluralize the for us and think it's for the human race. Because he didn't. God created for his own purposes, for him. For his reason, so that his kingdom could come to fruition. He wants his kingdom not to be what we want it to be, but what he wants it to be. And honestly, if we're smart, we'd rather have it be what he wants it to be and not what we want it to be. And what he expects us to do with the, the part that he gives us, each to our own ability, is what the scripture says, is to use that to bear fruit for that kingdom, to make that a, a reality, to help bring it into fruition. It would be very much like if we were... If you had an employee that you hired, say you opened up a small candy store and, and there was a garbage can next to the cash register 
and some kids came in and got some candy and they ripped off all the paper and put it in the garbage can. And one of the kids on the way out knocked over the garbage can and the garbage went flying out all across the floor in front of the counter. Two hours later, all the customers are coming in. They're all walking across the garbage and the half-eaten candy that the kids didn't like. And they're coming up. And the employee thinks, well, that's not my job. I was hired to run the cash register, not to pick up the garbage. So it's not my job. If you were the owner of the store, what would you think? They say, what is the matter with you? <laughs> you couldn't even pick it up? For Christ, you just left it there? And yet, isn't that the way we treat what God has given us oftentimes? We seem to think that if I get to the pearly gates and I say, well, God, you gave me this life and I, I um, went to school and, well, I made mostly good. I, I got through college. <laughs> or if I didn't get through college, I got a good job. You know, I made a good living. I provided for my family. You know, and I, I got my kids, you know, raised and, well, except for the one, the rest of them were all really good kids. And I mean, you know, and, and, and my marriage, it, well, it was good most of the time, you know, you know, he was kind of an idiot, but, but I got used to it. I mean, it, and, you know, my boss was unethical, but, you know, I, I managed to stay basically within the boundaries. And also, here I am. What do you think he's going to say? That's it? That's all I get? You mean, I created this out of nothing so that you could say, well, I showed up. And even more so when he says to us, I forgave you your sins. I died on a cross so that you could be forgiven. Who else did you let know about that? Well, Lord, I kept it in mind. They'll say, well, gee, thanks, but who else did you tell about how much I had forgiven you? Well, I thought that was kind of personal. Who else is coming here because of you? Well, Lord, I mean, good grief. I mean, I can't be responsible for what everybody else does. Am I my brother's keeper? Oh, that's biblical. I can't say that. But, <laughs> you know, every breath that we take is for a reason. This may shock you, so I want you to hold on to your seats. Did you know that you didn't suddenly appear on the planet and God said, how'd they slip that one in there? God actually knew that you were showing up. He actually planned for you to be here when he created you. He wanted you to be here to help him to make his creation exactly what he wanted it to be. And if, if, you, if you come to that perspective and you realize that, then it changes things. Because now it's, you can't simply say, it's not my job. I thought that was the preacher's job. You know, just like the store clerk can't say, well, I thought you had, I thought you had a janitor that picked up the garbage. Well, they do, but they come in at night for crying out loud. I mean, you can't just ignore the reality of what God has given us. And yet, don't we do that all the time? We live out our lives thinking that somehow or other, if I can do this well enough to get by, it'll be okay. Somehow or other, if I do my best, it'll be okay. But do your best at what? If I'm a sincere person, it will be okay. If I'm sincere about what? You know, serial killers are probably sincerely serial killers, but I don't know that I would say that's good. 
Sincerely what? A servant of the one who created you? And we live out our lives with this sort of expectation of there is not enough to go around. I can guarantee you, if you drive downtown to work now, nobody believes there are enough lanes to go downtown. It doesn't exist. And so as a result, if, if you are taking up space, you're taking it away from who? Somebody else. Now, all this is predicated on people who supposedly believe in a God who created everything out of what? Nothing. You see, God didn't say, okay, plop, there it is, that's it. He is, you know, expansive in the way that he creates things. He went from nothing to a universe. And it doesn't stop. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, don't you remember when you first got married and there were two of you? I know some people that got married and there were two of them, now they're 13. I mean, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, that, that's sort of what God is like. Is in, he's in the business of creating. And what he's interested in us doing is assisting him in this creative process. Not taking it over. Not saying, well, Lord, it was really nice of you to create the planet for me. But rather to, to do that part that he has given us to do, that he had in mind from the time that we were born, even before we were born, when he was knitting us together in our mother's womb, as the psalmist says, to do that which God gives us to do. And if we do that, if we really begin to work at trying to accomplish that which God has planned for us, it's going to take us a change of perspective. We can no longer see the world the same way. We can no longer see anything in our world the same way. We can't take any of it for granted. And we can't say, you know, God, why did you give me this pain in, in the neck husband? You know, or God, why don't you make him want to do housework? Or, you know, God, why can't you, you know, help my kid to understand why school is important? You know, it, it doesn't work that way. What he really wants us to do is look at it very differently. When you see your child, your adolescent, what he wants us to say is, do you remember the day that that child was born? How wondrous that was and what an incredible gift. I mean, you're like, wow. I mean, it's just amazing to think that that sort of thing could happen. And, and here's a, a person and how, how awestruck you were by it. Well, that same awesomeness is still in that adolescent. Only because of the way we see it. Only because of who we are. And what's interesting about it is that when we turn inward, and it's about me, and I don't like, every time you say, I don't like, think about that. How often in a day do you say, I don't like? Then what you're really pointing to is who? Me. And if you're telling somebody else, what does that say about them? Even if they're not the one that you don't like, it sort of says, this is about me. How often do we say, I'm here to serve the Lord? The pain and suffering that I'm in, I am undergoing now, the Lord put it there. I mean, he allowed it to be there anyway. And so I'm going to use it for his benefit. 
Because either he put it there or he allowed the evil in the world to create it. The question is, what do I do with it? Not why is this happening to who? Oh, me. Because it's not about me. And the strangest thing about life is that the more we try to make life about me, the less happy we become. If you're noticing in America, in the 60s, we started the the self-improvement mantra, the whole thing about how how do we be happy as a people, right? Are people happier now than they were in the 50s? No. But how many should we spend on psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists and, and drugs? And I mean, we're not happier? What's that about? Well, part of it is the whole approach. The more it's going to be about me, the less happy I'm going to be. The more it's going to be about you, the less happy I'm going to be. The more it's going to be about God, the happier I will be. Because the truth about God is amazing. He actually created us and knows why. And if we try to live into doing those things that he created us for, we become more us and happier than we ever could have been in any other time. And what happens is, is that we are faithful in those little things, then he knows we will be faithful in much. And he gives us even more to do. And what this is really shocking the more responsibility of his that he gives us that we are able to handle for him, the more joy we have. And as a result, do you know what we get? 